Welcome into this edition of the Stones Throw Podcast, our second uh, podcast of the week. Uh, today's episode focusing mainly on uh, reactions to the uh, to the NBA draft. We'll also take a quick look ahead to uh, the free agency now being just around the corner for the NBA uh, as well. well. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, the NBA draft uh, last night. Uh, really not a dry eye in the house for the first uh, three picks last night. Just seeing the reactions from uh, from Zion, John Morant, and uh, R.J. Barrett all getting uh, very emotional during their uh, their interviews. And that's always why I've been such a huge fan of the, uh, the NBA draft and the NFL draft is because uh, you just get a chance for those kids to uh, to dream for their dreams to come true and getting to see that on uh, TV to me that's just uh, that's that's great TV to get to see those kind of reactions the amount of hard work those guys have put in the sacrifices they've made that their families have made for them that's part of what makes the uh, the NBA draft uh, and the NFL draft uh, both you know must watch TV to me. Uh, every year. I couldn't tell you the last time that I missed the first round, to be completely honest with you. I did go to bed before the first round ended last night, uh, but uh, mainly because everybody that uh, I, you know, was interested in had been taking it uh, at that point. But, uh, you know, it, it was a very inter- very interesting draft, a lot of trades, uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty with this draft. I mean, you had guys like Bull Bull falling to, uh, to 44. People had him going as high as the lottery. Uh, Nasir Little fell to uh, 25. Uh, guys like Cam Johnson going as high as 11. So there was a lot of uncertainty, and I kind of said that after you got past the top, you know, nine or ten guys, there was a lot of uncertainty. And I said that on the podcast earlier this week that it wouldn't shock me if Cam Johnson went in the uh, in the late lottery, which is where he did end up uh, going. I just think he's in a lottery in a draft where you've got a lot of uncertainties and a lot of unproven's. He's a guy that has proven that he is a polished player who can contribute right now. And I I thought somebody uh, in a draft like this was going to covet that, and the Phoenix Suns uh, certainly did. Uh, My winners for the uh, the draft last night, I picked uh, four of them. Uh, There were a lot of picks I liked that may not get mentioned in this, and I'll touch on some of them. Uh, but But the winners... I thought the Pelicans won last night. I mean, that, that's obvious. That's cliche to say. But you got Zion Williamson. You got the uh, the top coveted prize from this uh, this draft, and you're able to land a guy like uh, like Zion Williamson with that number one pick. Everything that he will bring uh, to the Pelicans, the fanfare, uh, his athleticism, his <laughs> show stopping uh, performances. Uh, only thing he really needs to work on is his shot. But I, I've said it before. I think you know, right out the gate in the NBA, I, th- I expect Zion to average somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen to twenty points a game, seven to eight rebounds a game, a couple blocks, a couple assists, a couple steals a game. I think he is going to be a stat sheet stuffer early in his career, and you just don't get many guys and many rookies like that. Um, and he, you know, you're adding him to a team that just acquired Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart uh, has a number of other picks. In the future, and also still has Drew Holiday uh, there on the uh, on the Pelicans uh, as well. So I thought, uh, you know, obviously drafting Zion was a win. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the Jackson Hayes pick. There's nothing wrong with Jackson Hayes in my opinion, but he can't shoot. Um, and I think there's nothing wrong with that pick, I should say. But he can't shoot. And when you're building a team around Zion Williamson, I think you need shooters. Uh, so I, I didn't really like that uh that the Jackson Hayes pick necessarily uh if I was the Pelicans I probably would have gone Cam Reddish at that number eight pick 
but they chose to go with uh, with Jackson Hayes. I did really like the Pelicans' uh, 17th pick, though, and I think it made all the sense in the world for them to take Nikhil Alexander-Walker out of Virginia Tech. Um, and, you know, he um, he's a guy that does a lot of things really well. He can shoot. Uh, he's just, to me, he's a perfect complement to a guy like Zion Williamson, who struggles with his shot. And, I, you know, I said, you know, after that trade with the uh, the Lakers, the one thing the Pelicans really needed was shooting. Uh, they need veterans and they need shooting. Uh, I think they get some of that uh, that shooting with the Nikhil Alexander-Walker selection. So I thought the Pelicans had a really nice draft last night. Uh, and, you know, for the, for the next winner, uh, it's kind of another cliche, but I'm going to that number two spot. And it's uh, John Morant and the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. It's the right pick for the Grizzlies. They just uh, just discarded Mike Conley to the uh, to the Jazz, which I thought was an excellent addition for the Utah Jazz to pair him with Donovan Mitchell. That'll be an excellent uh, defensive backcourt and an excellent offensive backcourt as well. Uh, you upgrade your point guard position. I mean, they they had Ricky Rubio had a nice season there last year, but you get an upgrade in uh, in Mike Conley, so it's really it really was a no-brainer for the uh, for the Jazz there, uh, and this is a no-brainer for the uh, for the Grizzlies as well. Uh, he's a you know John Morant is a stud, very good player. Uh, you know even as a freshman, I was reading this the other day. He was drafted after his sophomore season, but even as a freshman on a senior-loaded squad at Murray State, he averaged twelve six and six. Uh, so I mean he really wasn't a one-year wonder at all. At Murray State, and this year he averaged 24 and 10. So he's a guy that he can pass. He has great athleticism. He needs to improve his shot. That's something that uh, that has to improve, I think, for uh, for John Morant. But when you're in a rebuilding phase, you absolutely have to have a point guard. John Morant was the best point guard in this draft, so it was an easy selection, I thought, for the Grizzlies to uh, to go with him. And, and then the other selection that the Grizzlies made in the first round last night that I also really liked was drafting uh, Brandon Clark out of Gonzaga. I think he's kind of an ideal front court companion for uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. They're going to be able to block a lot of shots together. Uh, Clark isn't like an ideal height guy necessarily, but he's a good athlete. Uh, he can hit mid-range jumpers and he can block a lot of shots. So I, I think you know the, the Grizzlies are in a nice position going forward with that threesome of John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark. They're going to struggle. They're not going to win many games this coming season. They very well could end up with the number one pick again next season. Uh, but I think they have something to build on going forward. Uh, the other team I really thought uh, won last night was the Atlanta Hawks. I thought they had a fantastic uh, draft, uh, able to get the trades they made. Uh, they were able to get uh, DeAndre Hunter, who I think is a perfect fit there in Atlanta with that young team uh they've got you know Trey Young and uh and also John Collins as well Kevin Herter uh also there uh, in Atlanta that young core um and you, you you bring in a guy like DeAndre Hunter who can do a lot of things he can guard he can shoot I, I don't know that DeAndre Hunter is ever going to be a star in the NBA but I feel like he's a guy that can have a 10 to 15 year career in average 15 and 7 um, and be a really good defender. So I think he's an excellent you know, third or fourth option, and uh, he, I think he's a very good building block for the Hawks uh, going forward. And then they ha- they were able to also you know get Cam Reddish falling to them at ten. And you know Reddish is a guy that maybe has the most upside in this draft based off what he did in college. He obviously has to 
you know, prove that he has the ability to take over um, to an extent. He doesn't have to do it so much because he's on a team with Trey Young, but you know him potentially as a small forward there with the or a shooting guard there with the Hawks. If he can develop a consistent jump shot and be a consistent scorer for them, uh, then the Hawks are in a really nice position in terms of you know going forward with a very good. Uh, young core. I, I don't think they'll be a playoff team next year unless they're able to maybe land a veteran that can contribute in free agency. Uh, but I do think that they're kind of heading in that direction. They're a team that can win 30 to 35 games, I feel like, next season and be a uh, very entertaining and very interesting team to watch uh, their, uh, their next season. So I thought the, uh, the Atlanta Hawks had a terrific night uh, last night as well. Uh, you know, the other the other winner that I went with is mainly just because of the value of the pick. Um, but it was the Portland Trailblazers getting Nasir Little at uh, 25. Uh, his, his over-under on pick position was 12 and a half, so he obviously went uh, way after. But this was a guy that people thought was going to be a top-five pick. You know, coming into his season at UNC, uh, it reports that he – Supposedly struggled to uh, to understand the system there at UNC, and not you know no matter how good you are, sometimes a system can inhibit you. We see guys that are better pros than better co- than better college players all the time, and a lot of times a system can make you look better than you actually are. You see that in college going to the to the pros as well. Guys that don't turn out but were studs in college. Uh, a lot of times it's because of the system that they uh, they played in. So systems can either can cover up a lot of things, whether that be good or bad. But I, I just like the Blazers being able to get him at 25. Uh, and, and if you're the Blazers, this is kind of about, they're looking for the third star, obviously, to go with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Uh, they also have Jokic uh, as well, or Nurkic, excuse me, as well, if he can stay healthy. But... You now have Anthony uh, Simons, who played towards the end of the season last year for the Blazers and had a monster game, I think, on the last night of the regular season. So he was a kid out of high school last year that has shown some ability. And now Nasir Little can show some ability. You've got some young assets uh, that you could potentially move to try to get a third piece there for the, uh, for the Blazers uh, to pair with C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard to try to, uh, to get you over the top, to try to get... Uh, to the NBA Finals. So that, that's a big part of the reason why I went with the Blazers as my uh, my other winner in the draft last night. Uh, some other picks that I just uh, I really liked uh, last night. I liked the Bulls taking uh, Kobe White. Uh, I thought that was an excellent fit there. Uh, you know, the Cavs taking Darius Garland is interesting. I don't know how he pairs necessarily with uh, with Colin Sexton or what the plan is there exactly. Um, I another pick that I really liked. It's a swing for the fences type of pick, but in this draft, that <laughs> that was kind of what you had after you got past the top 10 or you were going to go really safe. I liked the Celtics going with Romeo Langford out of uh, out of Indiana. Like I said, swing for the fences, boomer bust uh, type of pick. Um, let's see, uh, another pick that I also really liked, I liked the Suns getting Ty Jerome at 24. Thought he was a good value pick there. Uh, and I, I also like the uh, the Celtics pick of Grant Williams at uh, at 22 out of uh, out of Tennessee, and then an excellent pick I thought for the Spurs to get Keldon Johnson out of Kentucky. He was a fringe lottery guy 
uh, going into the night last night. So obviously an excellent value for the Spurs. And when you're talking about a guy that fell in the draft, <laughs> they, they have this knack of getting guys like that and turning them into stars, like Kawhi Leonard. Uh, so I, I think you know Keldon Johnson is an excellent fit going to the uh, going to the Spurs as well. Uh, I had three losers from the draft last night, and <laughs> this this wasn't even about the picks for the Phoenix Suns. It was a because I, I I like the two picks the Phoenix Suns made. I like Cameron Johnson out of UNC, and I like Ty Jerome out of Virginia. But you need a point guard if you're Phoenix. You're sitting. In the number at the number six pick, prime position to draft Kobe White out of UNC, who was clearly the second best point guard in this draft, and a wide margin between Kobe White and Ty Jerome. And you trade that pick to get Dario Saric. Don't get me wrong, Dario Saric, nice player. But you trade that pick, you move back to 11, then you reach for Cameron Johnson at 11 when you probably could have got him at 24. So the, 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 I like the two players they drafted. I just don't understand exactly what they're doing because they need a point guard. Uh, they need a starting point guard. I don't think Ty Jerome is a starter. I think he could run a second unit and be a very good NBA player. I don't think he's a starting point guard in the NBA, though. I just don't know that he has the speed uh, or the athleticism that you necessarily need uh, to be a starting point guard in today's NBA. I do think he can be a very good second unit player, can run a second unit through him. He can create his own shot, good handle, good passer. I like Ty Jerome. I like Cameron Johnson too. It's not about those guys. It's about how they went about getting to those guys. Uh, it just didn't make a ton of sense to me. If you're going to trade the number six pick and you're going to get a point guard, why not just keep the number six pick and draft Kobe White? Oh, and they also... Uh, decided to uh, to move on from T.J. Warren last night, so they traded him and the uh, and the number thirty two pick <laughs> to uh, to Indiana. So kind of an interesting decision there uh, as well. I thought for the uh, for the Phoenix Suns also, um, and they also could have got Jarrett Culver at the six pick six spot as well. So uh, <laughs> I didn't exactly understand trading that six pick to do what you did with it would be uh, I guess how I would how I would assess that how I would look at that uh another team again this is kind of the same thing as the Suns I like some of the players they drafted but it, if you're the Boston Celtics this, this whole summer has felt like a loss at this point you're losing Kyrie Irving you're losing Al Horford you're not going it doesn't appear that you're going to be in the mix for any of the major free agents you, you traded Aaron Baines. Doesn't look like you're going to get Marcus Morris back. Uh, Terry Rozier, it seems, is either wants out or kind of on the fence about what he wants to do. So it's just hard to assess them as a winner. Uh, you know, Romeo Langford was a swing or miss. So <laughs> Romeo Langford will either be talking about what a horrible pick that was at 14 in three or four years. We'll be talking about what a great pick it was. A swing or miss type of pick with Romeo Langford. Uh, I like the Grant Williams pick at 22. For the, uh, for the Celtics, I think that that's a very good pick. He's a guy that can really play uh, and can be good, I think, coming off the uh, off the bench for the Celtics. They also need some size and some front court help. Uh, Grant Williams doesn't necessarily bring size, but he can play in the front court, and he's a very good player. Uh, so he does make you know, he does make sense for the uh, for the Celtics, and I think he can be a really good fit for the uh, for the Boston Celtics also. Uh, but 
it, it just the the whole kind of feeling around this uh, this summer. It's hard to assess the Boston Celtics as winners. Also, I, I like the Tremont Waters pick. So I, mean, I don't have a problem with any of the three picks that the Celtics made last night. Uh, but it's just, it's just, you know, it's hard to uh, hard to assess them as winners with everything that's going against the uh, against the Boston Celtics this summer. Uh, and the other loser I would go with last night. I'm I'm sorry, Hornets fans. I, I like the PJ Washington pick. I do. Uh, I like PJ Washington. Uh, he can score inside. He has a mid-range. He can shoot it from three. Defensively focused player. P.J. Washington is a nice pick. He's a guy that I think could slide right in and be a starter for the uh, for the Hornets potentially. I, I think that he uh, he really improved his game at, at uh, Kentucky last year. I, that that's something that when you're drafting a sophomore, you really like to see is that somebody that really improved their game and took uh, a couple steps forward. That's something you really like to see because it shows that they're a worker and it shows that there could be more of that to come in the future. But their second round picks last night, I, you know, Coach Cody Martin out of Nevada, the former NC State guy, uh, he, he's, he's skilled. I just don't know that he's an NBA player, uh, to be honest. You know, I, he, he could be great in Europe, I feel like, but I just don't know that he's necessarily an NBA player. And to take him early in the second round, when you've got guys like Admiral, Admiral Schofield, uh, Eric Paschal, you know, let's see, Bowl Bowl is still on the board. He would have been an okay pick at 36. Uh, shooting guard like Taylor Horton Tucker out of Iowa State was still on the board. There were a lot of uh, more quality guys on the board, I just felt like, at that point. And then you take uh, Jalen McDaniels out of San Diego State. Uh, they, needed, they needed to add depth in the front court, but he's not, he's not much of a shot blocker. Uh, and I just don't – there's just not, not a lot there, I don't think. Yeah, like If I'm picking in the 50s, you're, to me it's take the best player available. You don't draft for upside at that point. Early in the draft, I think, is when you draft for the upside potential. Uh, but if you're drafted in the 50s, and there's somebody like Kyle Guy, a specialist on the board, I think you take him. Um, who were some other guys that went in the 50s last night? Tremont Waters, especially when you could potentially lose, you know, Kimball Walker this summer. Uh, you know, Jalen Haynes, another point guard out of UCLA that went in the 50s also. So you know, I, I just didn't like the two second-round picks for the Hornets last night. I do really like the P.J. Washington pick. That, that I will say. I do think that was an excellent selection for the Hornets at that uh, that 12 spot. I think he could really improve that uh, that front court. But, you know, it, it was hard to pick a ton of losers in this draft because there's so many uncertainties in this draft, and there, weren't just, there just weren't but so many commodities or valued commodities in this draft. So it was hard uh, to pick multiple losers. In this uh, in this draft, but I just didn't really like the second round, the two second round picks that the Hornets uh, took last night. Uh, but now that we've gotten the draft out of the way, free agency's right around the corner. Uh, you know, where is Kawhi going to go? Kevin Durant, is it possible he leaves Golden State? You know, do any of these guys that got drafted last night are any of them potentially on the move to try to free up space? It's going to be really inter- it's going to be a really interesting summer, and I, I can't really think of a time where we didn't have an idea as to where <laughs> the stars were going. Like for, for Durant, we knew it was Golden State. 
or we knew it was Oklahoma City or Golden State last time. LeBron, it's always been LeBron. It's always been pretty clear. It's been between one or two places. It was Cleveland or Miami the first time, Miami or Cleveland the second time, and it looked like it was destined to be LA the third time. So it's always been pretty clear with LeBron. Kawhi Leonard is actually considering leaving Toronto for the Clippers. That's that's something that's uh, that's really different. And, and some of these other guys are just kind of in a holding pattern until they see what Kawhi Leonard does essentially, because Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant. They're the guys that control the uh, control the market, and Kyrie Irving is a complete wild card. Uh, you know, he's it appears that he's been locked in on the Nets, but it wouldn't shock me if Kyrie Irving ended up going to the Lakers, the Knicks. You know, it wouldn't shock me if Kyrie Irving landed really. I, I would shock me if he didn't land in a big market, but he's a wild card at this point. I think D'Angelo Russell is another interesting guy, particularly if Kyrie Irving goes to the uh, goes to the Nets. It looks like Russell won't be back in Brooklyn if that's the case. And could he end up somewhere like Indiana? Because he could be a really interesting fit next to a guy like Victor Oladipo. Now you also have TJ Warren. Uh, you have you know the big fella uh, there also. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, the big fella out of uh, that played at Texas, Miles Turner. Uh, you've got him also there. You've got uh, Sabonis as well. So that can make Indiana a really interesting team. And then, of course, you've got the uh, Kimball, Kimball Walker's big decision. He holds uh, Charlotte's future completely in the palm of his hands because they're either going to be competing for that eight spot in the Eastern Conference, potentially, or they're going to be maybe the worst team in the NBA uh, this offseason if Kimball Walker leaves. It, it's one or the other for the, uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. So uh, NBA free agency is going to be a ton of fun for some teams and some fans. It's going to be really painful for some fans uh, as well. So it's going to be going to be interesting to uh, to see, and we get to see it in about nine days uh, since it starts on June 30th. So can't wait for the uh, for NBA free agency. Even though the, uh, the the ball actually isn't being dribbled on the court in NBA games, it might be the most exciting time of the season for the uh, for the NBA. That'll do it for this week's or this edition of the Stones Throw Podcast. Make sure you tune back in next week. As always, you can catch it on SportsCarolinaMonthly.com. Also on the Sports Carolina Monthly Facebook page.